Blog Talk Radio. Feel free to come on board and join in. Phone number to call is 516-418-5572. Again, it's 516-418-5572. We're going to kick off a fantastic show for you in just a few moments. But first, we want to thank our wonderful sponsor, Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. So delicious and addicting, you may need a support group. Really appreciate Chef G's being our special sponsor. Check out all four flavors of this amazing barbecue sauce at flbbqsauce.com. Then it's flbbqsauce.com. You can get Fusion, Honey Mustard, Heat Wave, and Classic. And on top of that, not only can you get one of those four great flavors, you can go ahead and visit Gaston's Culinary Service right here in Tampa, Florida, 301 South 22nd Street. 301 South 22nd Street, Tampa, Florida. Come by and get the you know, the sauce right there. And he could take care of any catering needs you might have. Definitely check out my friend Chef G's. The first song to kick off the show was written by Sam Scola out in Maine. Really appreciate Sam Scola doing all of our music. Sam Scola, if you guys are interested in signing him, he is a wonderful musician. Really appreciate Sam Skola out of Maine, him and his wife, Mary. I'm going to go ahead and play the Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce song for you, sung by Sam Skola. And after that, I'll be right back with you. We're going to get this show rocking and rolling, and we're going to have a fantastic Friday night for you. Let's go. 
Counting for variety, Chef G's Florida barbecue sauce, a natural flavor. Chef G's Florida barbecue sauce, Florida gold honey mustard on burgers and ribs. Tasty fusion on pork and sausage. Classic taste for chicken steak tips. A hot heat wave on meatballs and ham. It's a cookout treat. Chef G's Florida barbecue sauce. Serve on fish and vegetables. Chef G's Florida barbecue sauce. Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce Yes, sir. Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. So delicious and addicting. You may need a support group. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to have the great pleasure of eating breakfast with the one and only legend, Chef G's, tomorrow morning. So thank you, Chef G's, for the barbecue sauce. What we're going to do is discuss some great topics for you tonight. We've got a lot to go over. I'm going to go ahead and get the show started with a caller right now on the line, one of our wonderful callers. Let me do that right now. How you doing so far, Lou? All right, Alan, thanks. You're welcome. How you been? All right. Got a heavy lamp here now. Taken? We got a heavy lamp here. We got, you know, I got three games going on at one time right now. Yes, folks, that is right. Game one of the World Series just started today. For those who don't know, I'll give you an update on the score. It's the end of the fourth inning. Diamondbacks are up by four. Four to three, Texas Rangers. Four, three. Arizona Diamondbacks is leading, so four runs to three. Diamondbacks are leading at the end of the fourth, and we had a fall of so on the first pitch. Taken. It was two nothing, but the Rangers was two nothing early on, and Arizona just caught up. Ugh. You know, this is going to be. I was watching the game before I came online here live, and this is yeah. going to be one heck of a World Series. This it is going to be. This is going to be a flat-out war. I mean, this is this is a real yeah. deal. I could tell by the first game, it's going to be a war. Because you're right. Considering how nobody, how nobody expected this to begin with anyway, you know, anything I think is going to happen in this series now. Yeah, watching this game, I mean, the Rangers came up, for people who don't know, they, they scored two runs quick in the first inning. And then... The Diamondbacks came right back, scored two, then got another one and went up. Now they went up and got another run by the Rangers, and now the the Diamondbacks are back up. It is power versus, you know, small ball in a way. That's what you're going to see in this series. So what are your thoughts? Well, I wasn't I was expecting the Rangers to come out, you know, in a hurry and maybe, you know, uh 
give this one an easy victory, but I guess I'm underrating, you know, how the Diamondbacks are, unfortunately. Yeah, the Diamondbacks are very good. From a team that didn't look like they were going to be there anyway to begin with, you know, they have shown why they have, you know, um, have gotten this far after being such powerful teams, you know, first, you know, being the Dodgers, and then, you know, being the Philly, which both had their chance, but Diamondbacks have just shown how, you know, they have come up and, and beat them all. So uh, this has been a series nobody expected. Rangers, I might expect a little bit more to, to make it, um, you know, there wasn't really anything that powerful in the, Amer- in the American League. So I could I could expect maybe uh, Houston or the Rangers are coming in. Of course, a lot of people were expecting the uh, Astros again, you know, those dirty cheaters. But, uh, <laughs> you know... <laughs> but I was, but I was I was home for the Rangers, and they beat their they beat their uh, state rivals, and now they're here. I was really hoping that you know that the Rangers are going to do some damage tonight, but so far it doesn't look to be that way. Well, it's still early, and it is. It's still early in the game. Also, I did get the Diamondbacks right. I predicted the Diamondbacks would be in the World Series, so I did get them them right. You did I? Wow. I did get that right. I did get the Astros incorrect. I thought the Astros were going to pull out that series, and they did not. So props to the Rangers for coming back and winning that series. I didn't see that coming. Yeah. But props to both teams, yes. the Diamondbacks and the Rangers, because they both had to come back to win the series, and they both won a game seven to be here. That's, that's amazing. You wonder who has left gas up in the tank though to win, both going to a seven game. Somebody's got to be exhausted. Whoa. Yeah, and the that's what I wanted to ask you. How happy – I know you, you are a big – you know, they cheated and they're, they're the scum of the earth type of thing. What are your thoughts about Houston being eliminated? You don't have a problem, Houston. You are the problem. Yeah. Serves you right. You know, of course, you know, Altuve, when Altuve hit the home run in that game last week, you know, I, oh, great. Bernie burned him again. I mean, he was the same one that burned uh, the Yankees from going to the World Series in 2017, and he did it again in uh, game five of the um, of the uh, ALCS. So I'm like, oh, danger will over again. But when Garcia hit the home run in game six, uh, the, the grand slam, uh, I think that really um, – I think we'll put uh, the uh, Astros out of their misery. Yeah, I, I just thought that game seven, they just, the bats went hot for the Rangers, and they were just yes. too much offense. It was just way too much offense. Way too much. Way too much offense. And even even as great of a hitting team the Astros are, they couldn't overcome that. And when they went up about, I believe it was about six runs. I said this is going to be tough for the for the Astros to come back with that many. That yes. not that it's impossible, but I'm just saying that's going to be tough. That's going to be really Depending tough. They where just, you are in the game, that is, you know, if you're if you're down by six, like say in the third or fourth inning, you could still pretty much you know uh, come back. Chip if away. It's in the eighth inning, probably not. Yeah, and and I just felt like it was the Rangers' day, and. You know, and and you got to give them props. You know, they got to give them props. They could have folded. You got to give them props. 
So both both of these team, two teams, in my opinion, have earned the right to be where they're at. Nobody was given that spot. They earned the right to be there. And it's going to be an amazing series. What are your thoughts about the Diamondbacks? Is, when the Diamondbacks made it to World Series, did it bring you back to that Yankees-Diamondback series 20-plus years ago? Yes. Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> We had the game in the bag, game seven is. You had Mariano Rivera on the mound. What can go wrong? Little did I know. First, they get they get basically, you know, tie the game. And then the same inning, the Astros, you know, had one more in them. And Rivera couldn't hold it. Just awful. It was a bloop base hit by Luis Gonzalez. A blooper. A blooper. I mean, you know, it, it, it game, the game is a, is measured by inches, and that's what happened. It was just a little fish shot blooper that landed over the infield. But man, that that was to me, believe it or not, that was the most heartbreaking loss that the Yankees, in my opinion, ever had to deal with. Yeah. Even surpassing when they lost four straight. Because the crazy thing about it, Lou, was I could see. God gave me a vision that they were going to lose four games straight against the against the Red Sox. So it did not surprise um, me they lost four games straight. Them losing the way they did against the Diamondbacks, that close and tasting victory right on your tongue on the seventh mm-hmm. game, you know what I mean? Seventh game of the World Series, going back and forth yeah. the entire series. And that was a 9-11 year too. That was the one yeah. time I really wanted the Yankees to win, to build up the that spirit. But then again, game yeah. seven was not at home, and maybe if we would went a home, if we were play a home game, maybe that might have made a difference. Yeah, that that hurt me bad watching that game and watching them lose. I just sat there for twenty minutes in shock. Like, how could you do this? I don't know if it was shock to me. It was just like disappointment. I sat for like twenty minutes in just disappointment. Uh, it was just disappointment. It wasn't. I wasn't shocked that they won the game because the Diamondbacks were the real deal, and you know it was a blooper and it was placed in the right spot. I was just disappointed that they wasn't able to close the deal. And you couldn't fault Mariano. The guy's a Hall of Famer. He, you know, it's some. You know, sometimes your competition gets you. Sometimes that's 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 the great thing about yeah. sports that you sometimes no matter what you do. You have to tip your hat to your competition. They sometimes get the better of you that day. And Luis Gonzalez, that ball could have went 500 feet instead of 50. You know what I'm saying? It, it yeah. They won. They won the World Series. But that's a question I got to ask Jeter. Now when he, <laughs> hey mm-hmm. man. When you get to a World Series and you have the Diamondbacks and you have Poppy right next to you, is that kind of like mind-boggling? <laughs> yes. But one thing is not mind-boggling is what you got cooking tomorrow on your show. I'm curious to hear what you got cooking tomorrow on the Enhanced Sports Show. You know we're going to be talking the World Series, and I'll have a recap of Game 1, if anybody's interested. Uh, college and pro football, of course, is your predictions. NHL. Um, thoughts on the uh, first week of the, of the NBA? Okay, it's not the first full week, but it is the first week regardless. Um, 
Also, um, NASCAR um, the playoffs, uh, Gerald's going to handle that. And, of course, we'll have our regular features as well. And, of course, being at that time of the month, the best and worst of October. So, if you got time tomorrow between 4 and 6 p.m. Eastern time, call 512-543-4662. I'll repeat again, 512-543-4662. It's been quite a, it's been quite a big year. I want to finish this year strong. That's right. He's going to do it. I mean, he's Make sure he's going to go, but, you know. He's going to do it. He's going to close out the year strong. We are, too. But that's the Enhanced Sports Show, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time Zone. Check him out on YouTube. Just type in Enhanced Sports Show. See the great-looking Lou. Or you can call in at 512-543-4662. And it's 512-543-4662. Make sure you check in and say hi to the Lou at the Enhanced Sports Show. I'm going to call in. You guys got to do the same. Please do. Will do. I'm looking forward to it. We'll talk more about game one, the end results. It's, uh, let yep. me give you an update on it. Oh, wow. Five they scored another Arizona. run. Five, five to three. Five, five to three. Left. Arizona diebacks in the top of the fifth. So it is still a game, folks. This game is not over. These two teams can get two runs to tie or three runs to go ahead. So this is this is what I've been telling you folks on the Allen Alpha Sports Show. This is going to be this is going to be a la Diamondbacks and Yankees back and forth, back and forth. That's what you're going to see this series. And I'll tell you guys later what I predict is going to happen. But Lou, you are the man. I appreciate you always here on the Enhanced on, on the Enhanced Sports Show. Yeah. Lou from the Enhanced Sports Show. I always appreciate here on the Allen Alfred Sports Talk Show. Thanks a lot, Alan. You appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. Anytime, my friend. Thank you. All right. Have a great night. So that's Lou from the Enhanced Sports Show. Make sure you guys check him out. My great friend, Lou, from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time Zone. So tonight we got a lot to discuss, folks, a whole lot to discuss. So first, I'm going to start with what has just happened last night. We had a primetime game, a Thursday night football game, the Bucks versus the Bills on Thursday night football, the only game played. Let me give a round of applause for the Bucks actually getting that game. <laughs> you know, the Bucks sometimes get – Primetime games, believe it or not. Having said that, there's a lot to unpack about this game. First and foremost, I don't know how this happened, but it almost felt and looked like it was a Bills home game here in Tampa, Florida. There were so many Bills fans there. It was unbelievable. I don't know if they bought the whole stadium. I have never seen that before. Bucks fans do come out and support, but that was ridiculous, man. I mean, it was all blue. And... On top of that, <laughs> Josh Allen called one of the plays LeBron James. We're going to talk a little basketball later tonight, but I would have to say for those who did not watch the game, the Bucks lost. And there's a lot to unpack because now their record is 3-4, and four, and I hate to be the bare bad news, but I have to kind of go into details about this. The Bucks. They do not look like a great team. 
I hate to say it, and it starts from the top. I mean, the coaching looks uninspired. The play calling looks very basic and monotonous. It's really the same plays. It's no dynamic thing about the offense at all. And once you get past that, you have to look at Baker Mayfield. He doesn't have time to throw anything. It's not all Baker Mayfield's fault. Somebody said is he is he's not a problem, but he's definitely not the solution. And what I mean by that is I respect Baker Mayfield and everything, but if you do not give him any time to throw, he is not a playmaker a la Lamar Jackson that could kind of create his own offense by his athleticism. Lamar Jackson, the pocket breaks down. He's fast enough and quick enough. He can run through a, a gap, take it 20, 30 yards. He can even go 50 to the house. Or he can move out the way, throw a dart, the guy down the field, and catch. You're not going to get that type of, you know, and he'll repeat the process over and over and over again. You're not going to get that type of athleticism from Baker Mayfield. Not being dissing him is just this. It is what it is. He has a brace on his leg. So, yes, he will, you know, break free through a gap and make a, a big run. But if you don't give enough time, it's it's going to be bad news in most cases. Not only that, there's, there is, unfortunately, you know, we can't control how tall we are. But, unfortunately, Baker does have that where – a lot of his balls are batted down. So not only does he need a, a lane to throw the ball in, you know, he needs he not only needs time, but he needs a lane to throw it in too because he, he's not tall enough to just kind of loft it over most guys. It's just not going to happen. He's going to swat it down. It's not all his fault. You know, he, he, he didn't look great, you know, on top of that. But I would have to blame a lot of this. It really is a collective blame effort you know the coaching is very lethargic the team plays very uninspired ball let me start with Mike Evans you could tell Mike Evans is playing football as a guy that's kind of bitter at his employer he is putting in some effort and I'll give him credit he made a fantastic catch ricocheting off the player to to get that touchdown but you could just tell that when he's running his routes he gets gassed and tired way too easily. He's always putting his arm out to come out the next play. If he has to run down the field 20 yards, he's running like an old man. And on top of that, he's just not giving that extra step, that extra effort that we're used to seeing in Mike Evans. I can clearly see it. There's a, you know, a, a disconnect there. He's not tanking it where he's just totally making it obvious, but you could tell that there's some luster off of that shiny car. And you could tell he's a bit upset because he didn't get that extra contract. And the way he's playing this year, at the beginning of the year before the season started, I said, this is going to be bad for both sides if they don't re-sign Mike Evans. It's actually looking like the Bucks made a very good decision on this part. You're getting, you know, you're moving an aging wide receiver and you might be able to use it for something else. And he's, he's not playing like a guy who's really hungry, you know, there's no way that ball at the end zone should have dropped in the end zone without Mike Evans doing a 
highballing that ball to catch it. There's no excuse for you not to pick up the ball of Hail Mary, high ball, high pointed, and bring that ball in. Either you or Chris Godwin. And I feel like Chris Godwin, as very good a player as he is, I could tell that he's feeding off the energy that he's getting from Mike. And Chris Godwin's doing his thing, but you could tell, again, it's a step behind. The way Chris Godwin played that ball, he played it poorly. You cannot turn go running into the end zone, then turn around and look for the ball. You got to track the ball, and the ball literally lands right next to them. And and not only that, yet it lands in front of Mike Evans, and neither one touches the ball where the ball was thrown so high and so far down the field. You know, that was an unbelievable pass by Baker Mayfield. I didn't think he had he might have had trouble getting it there, but he did. And after as poorly as they played against the Bills, that was actually a winnable game. At the They could have actually stole a win from the Bills. So the Bucks need to look each other in the mirror and say, hey, do we want to be the sucking ears for the rest of the season? Or do we want to go ahead and turn us around and make a run? Because I see what's happening on this team. They're losing games, and they're looking for a scapegoat to be that sucking ear team. I've seen this before. I've seen the culture before. I've seen the coaching before. I've seen this all play itself out with the Bucks before. They have to make a decision right now. Do we want to be a team that's going to make a long run and make it to the playoffs, or do we want to be the sucking ass from this point on? Because that's what you're doing. It's, it's an effort thing, the effort. And then speaking of the effort, the way that the Bucks played the fourth quarter, this is has to do more with coaching and effort, but I would have to say coaching is part of this. If you are behind by two scores going into the fourth quarter, you have to do what's called like a hurry-up offense. You have to move the ball and run your offense with a great sense of urgency. Meaning you can't huddle, take your time slouching around, walking, taking up clock, tick, 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 you can't do that. You have to move with a sense of urgency. You are behind by two scores. You you have to do no huddle. You have to get the play. Hey guys, we're gonna run this. You understand? Boom. Get up to the line. Give the ball to the ref. Next play. Get up to line, run, the, especially the way the Bucks were playing the fourth quarter. You were dinking and dunking all the way through. So you have to do more plays to get it down the field. You weren't throwing it down the field 15, 20 yards. You were dinking and dunking. You have to know the situation. You're down by two scores. You have to move with a sense of urgency. You waited three, four minutes into the fourth quarter before you started doing a no huddle. And, and, and they were right on the broadcast. The Bills would take this. You're just running off time off your own clock. They were up by two scores. And poor, poor coaching. Move with a sense of urgency. And that's knowing the situation and effort. Knowing the situation and effort. Both go hand in hand. Then after four or five minutes, three, four or five minutes, all went up the clock. Then you started doing a no huddle. Then you started moving with a sense of urgency. By then it was kind of too late. That last Hail Mary may not even – you may not even need to do that. You could have maybe just drove down the field, take your time methodically, and score that winning touchdown. 
but because you wasted so much time, you had no timeouts and you had a little bit of time, and even all of that, you still could have won if you would have just had more effort. Effort. Poor effort on the Bucks' part, and is why they lost that game. And on the Bills' side, I would say the Bills are not out of the water. The Bills got, to me, really overly cautious and and play with like no confidence fourth and one fourth and two you're punting the ball you have josh allen you have stefan diggs you have a bunch of playmakers davis you have guys who can make plays and you punting the ball i mean the one that i was shocked was the one that you were up and you were punted it and you had 10 minutes left that's something that the bills need to work on but none of the case a win is a win is a win Bucks need to start looking himself in the mirror and say, do I want to be the Suckineers? Because I see where this is trending. I've seen this before. Pre-Brady, this is what you're getting. So, all in all, if anybody wants to come on the show and discuss the Bucks player, coach, I will talk and I will give you example after example of what I witnessed Thursday night. So we're going to move on now and go ahead and switch gears. So the question was, who's to blame? I would say the coaching, effort, all of that. And we're going to go ahead and give the predictions for week eight. So let me go over those with you. Okay, we have the Jaguars. Let me just go in order here. We have the Jets versus the Giants. Battle of New York or Battle of New Jersey versus New York. It's going to be a very good game. But I do think the Giants are going to come back and, and win this game. I feel as if they're getting their pieces back. Saquon Barkley, they're starting to move back in the right direction. They got things together a bit. I have the Giants winning, even though the Jets' defense has been outstanding. I just think that the Giants are going to find a way to pull out this win. We have the Jaguars versus Steelers. I have the Jags winning. Just think that the Jags are, are got a little bit too much offense. And even as good as the Steelers' defense is, I feel like the Jags have just a little bit too much offense, and they're going to find a way to pull it out. We have the Eagles versus the Commanders. I think the Commanders are going to put up a good fight, but I think the Eagles are going to find a way to pull this one out and win that game. We have the Rams versus the Cowboys. It's one of those rare times where I'm going to pick the Cowboys to win. I have the Cowboys beating the Rams, Vikings versus Packers. I normally would have picked the Green Bay to win this, but I just don't feel as if Green Bay is playing as good as up to their potential. And with that being said, I, I think Vikings starting to figure things out now. I have the Vikings winning. We have the Falcons versus the Titans. And I have the Titans winning in that game. Just feel as if their run game is going to be on point. And they're going to do their thing. They're also going to be wearing those old school uniforms. So I think they're going to bring some mojo. So I have the Titans winning. Then we have the Patriots versus the Dolphins. I have the Dolphins winning. I just think they're just they're just too explosive. And Patriots, I think, are going to put up somewhat a fight. But I just think the Dolphins are going to take this one. We have the Saints versus the Colts. I have the Colts winning. 
And if you're a Buck fan, you really definitely want the, the Colts to win, especially after the fact that the Bucks lost. We have the Texans and the Panthers. And in that game, I have Texas winning. We have the Browns versus Seahawks. Browns are coming along strong. Very good team. Have the Browns winning. We have the Bengals versus the 49ers. going to be a very, very good game. I have the 49ers winning this game. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bengals did win this game. I'm not going to lie to you. I wouldn't be surprised at all. You know, the, the 49ers just haven't been clicking. But I just feel as if they're going to find a way to figure it out against the Bengals. Chiefs and the Broncos, I have the Chiefs winning. Then we have the Ravens versus the Cardinals. I have the Ravens winning. Bears versus Chargers, I have the Chargers winning. And Raiders versus the Lions, I have the Lions winning. So those are my predictions on week eight. And I did pick the Bills to beat. I'm sorry, I did pick the Bucks to beat the Bills. Usually going to always get that pick wrong. Because I, I'm a Bucks fan, so I did take the loss just like the Bucks did. So I did get that one wrong. But having said that, we have a lot to discuss in the XFL. A whole lot to, to talk about that. There's going to be a lot to unpack about the XFL. I'm going to get into that right now. And what I'll do is we're going to discuss a lot about that. So I had the pleasure and the honor of being the guest, for those who don't know, on the XFL Insider Podcast. That show was awesome, the XFL Insider Podcast, and that was on Tuesday. And there, it was a fantastic interview. Props to Mike, Matthew Tyler for inviting me and having me as their guest, special guest. It is really an honor. In fact, let me give Matthew Tyler and the XFL Insider Podcast, a round of applause. Outstanding, outstanding time, outstanding show. Now, one of the details that I mentioned during the show, which I did not, (laughs) you know, if this was a certain company where they, you know, that commercial where they give you a red flag to see if you could do the replay, challenge so to speak i had to do a challenge just to make sure i said my details right during the and i i actually watched the entire interview rewatch it which was like an hour and 45 minutes i rewatched it and i did not use the word removed i thought i did but i did not okay let me clarify that okay this is what i heard from a very good source a very good source, and this was after the James Larson report about teams being removed after the merger. Okay? So so I don't confuse you. This is what I heard a week after the James Larson report came out. From a very good source, I heard that three teams are allegedly going to be removed from the XFL, and three teams are going to be allegedly removed from the USFL. Okay, so that would be three being removed from the XFL again, three being removed from the USFL, making it a 10-team league. 
merged league. Ten teams. So that's what my source had provided me, that three and three will be removed from each side. Now, the source did not tell me which teams. I'm going to talk about that a bit later in, you know, in a few moments. But just to clarify, I did not use the word removed. It's not three and three, you know, six teams total. It's three teams being removed from USFL and the XFL side, bringing in the total of 10. Now, my source actually wasn't very different than what the James Larson report said. I went ahead and reread the report. James Larson basically said in the beginning, he did say it was going to be a 10 to 12 team league. So that's in the neighborhood of what I'm saying too. But the major difference was that he was saying that there'll be four teams. You know, this is what one of the hot things we're saying was that there was going to be four teams removed only on the USFL side and nothing removed from the XFL side. Okay. My source basically said it's going to be 10 teams, but there'll be three removed from the XFL, three removed from the USFL. So where does this bring us? On my source and based on the way I kind of view what's going on, I do believe, unfortunately, there will be some teams that will be removed during this merger. And I'm also going to go a step further and say I do believe the source that I heard a week after James Larson is is more inclined as to really what's going to happen, in my opinion. I, I feel as if it's the three teams from the XFL side being removed and the three teams from the USFL side being removed is more kind of like in line what I think is going to happen. And the reason why I feel that way is because I don't feel as if Danny Garcia and the Rock are going to kind of like give the USFL pretty much all leeway in this. I think a 50-50 kind of merger or 51-49, but I think something more along that lines is more what I feel is going to happen. I don't feel as if it's going to be a dynamic where it's going to be 75-25 or 90-10 or and if you don't take away any teams from your side and they take away if you're basically having four teams removed from your side and none from the other, you're basically saying, hey, they're in the driver's seat. I think the what I heard as a source is more accurate three versus three. Three and three being removed. Three teams from each side. Three teams from the XFL being removed. Three teams from the USFL being removed. Okay. Since I didn't get the names of the teams from my source, I'm going to give you from only the XFL side where I think the teams will land. Okay? The teams that are on the proverbial chopping block. Let me go in order. Okay? The teams that I feel are on the proverbial chopping block, and this part is my opinion, and some of it is based on some of the sources of teams too, but what I've surmised is I do feel as if, unfortunately, the Houston Roughnecks are one of those teams on the proverbial chop block. Not that they did anything wrong. They're, they actually did have very good fan support. The organization was ran great. Coaching was ran great. 
But the issue that the Houston Roughnecks have is a couple. Number one, there is no stadium for them right now. Okay, that's the thing. They were going to move to another location. And as of right now, there has been no report that there's been a place that they are going to be able to call their home. The other issue that the Roughnecks have is that there is a USFL team that plays in Houston called the Gamblers. So the Gamblers also have more, let's say, history than the Roughnecks. So that's why I do believe the Houston Roughnecks are a team that is in highly probable to be one of the three teams on the XFL side. Allegedly, that's going to be on the chopping block. The other team that I feel is on the proverbial chop block is the Vegas Vipers. Now, that was also the Houston Roughnecks and the Vegas Vipers. Let me just clarify. Those two teams were mentioned in the James Larson report as two teams that could potentially be teams that could be removed. I won't disagree with that. It's no secret that the Vegas Vipers were one of the weaker teams as far as fan support. And also, you know, Vegas is a place that you have a lot of different avenues that you can spend your money at. It's just, there's so many different things you can do. So much competition as far as entertainment dollars that can be used. So Vegas was a tough market. On top of that, they're in the same situation as the Roughnecks. They don't have a team too, meaning they played in a, in a stadium. The league didn't like the stadium the way it looked on TV, the way the field was in the condition. So they decided they were not going to come back. They made that announcement months ago. But again, there hasn't been a confirmed spot to, you know, lease or subsidiary, be a subsidiary for the Vegas. So I think the Vegas are on the chopping block too because no place, not much fan support. One of the weaker supported teams in the league. The third team that I believe is on the proverbial chopping block on the XFL side is, again, no fault of their own, is the Seattle Sea Dragons. And the reason why I think Seattle Sea Dragons are in peril is because logistically, logistically, it was kind of tough for the Seattle to, for travel, for you to get the Seattle Sea Dragons to play a team and also for a team to play Seattle where they're at. And that even, you know, the coach, Coach Hazlitt even said that when he came in, flew in to play in Orlando, it just logistically is kind of far for Seattle. So that's where the Seattle is. There's been talk about the Guardians being that third team. But the reason why I think the Guardians, you know, and the Guardians are not safe completely, but I do think the Guardians are actually in a very good position for a few reasons. Number one, biggest thing is Danny Garcia lives in Orlando. And as an owner, it's always nice that you own a league or part ownership because it's going to be a merger now, whatever, you know, where you can actually go and see a game in the same city that you live in. So that is a huge benefit for the Guardians. The other benefit for the Guardians is Camping World Stadium really, really has a great partnership with the Guardians. If you go to their Twitter page, they even say on the Camping World State, uh, Twitter page, the official home of the Orlando Guardians. So they have 
and the Camp World is a very nice stadium. It's a nice partnership. It's improving. It's getting even better. So it is a great home for the Guardians. So that's a good thing. The only thing that the Guardians were lacking was support. But the good thing is next year the Guardians will have the fans on the shady side of the stadium. So I believe, in my opinion, the Guardians are safe in that regard. Again, none of these details are written in stone, but I do feel as if the Guardians, in my opinion, are in great shape and are safe. So my three teams that I feel are in peril is the Houston Roughnecks, the Vegas Vipers, and the Seattle Sea Dragons. And the other team, I think, is the Guardians, but I think Seattle is more at peril than the Guardians. So those are the three teams. It's nothing is official. I don't really know on the USFL side. And the reason why I don't know that is because it wasn't told to me. And on top of that, I, since I covered a lot of work with the XFL last season, I covered in the entire season. I felt as if it was a conflict of interest for me to cover the USFL or arena football because I was had such strong connection with the XFL. So I really did not get entangled with what the USFL was doing. But the timing of when you will hear something as far as the details, I believe we're going to probably hear something this coming up week. Rent is due. And this week gives us officially, we're going past the 30 days. In fact, by the time money comes around, that 30-day mark. So rent is due. And I feel as if you're going to probably hear something this coming up week, this week, Monday through Friday. Because even if they had an answer today, I didn't feel as if they were going to be releasing it today, just because even if you knew what the result is right now, you kind of don't want to release something like big like this right on a Friday because then you'll get less publicity. You'll have some on Friday, people go away on the weekends, maybe somebody's taking a trip. So yeah, it, it would be best if you just the next week. So we have Monday and Tuesday. Tuesday is Halloween. I feel as if you're probably going to hear something this coming up week. If you don't hear something this week, which I seriously doubt it, you're not going to hear something by the end of next week. If it does go into the following week, I, I would say you should hear something by November by November 8th, the very latest. But I think it's going to come next week. I'm giving it to November 8th, which is a Wednesday of next, the following week. I don't think it's going to get into November 8th. I think you're going to hear something this coming up week as to what's going on. And I will say this much that it plays more into play if you merge these teams together to probably have a 10, 10 team system because logistically you're still trying to get a profit. You don't want to overexpend. You don't want to spread too many wings out. I think that the 10 team, you know, even though I hate to see teams, leave their cities or fans and people lose opportunity. I just think that if you're in a situation where you're trying to come up together, you're trying to build a league together, you want to make sure it's profitable. I think the 10 team dynamic would be the best to start with. 
That's just what I'm seeing from a business standpoint. But yes, you're going to hear something next week. Worst case scenario, you'll hear it by November 8th, but I think next week is it's going to be on. I think we're going to hear something this, this coming up week. But I have, again, three teams being lost from the XFL side, three teams being lost from the USFL side, 10 teams. My three teams that I'm picking on the XFL side is the Roughnecks, the Vegas, and the Seattle. It's not that I'm really picking it, but you just kind of have to look at what it is. If it's not the Sea Dragons, it's going to interchange between the Sea Dragons and the Guardians or <laughs> unfortunately both. But I do think the three and three makes more sense. We will see. None of this is written in stone, but I wanted to make sure you guys understood those details. I also did want to say, too, that I did say in the interview it was 2,200 miles. I'm sorry, 2,200 hours that Corey Dion Wright drove from Arizona to Orlando to practice at the showcase. It's not 2,200 hours. It's 2,200 miles, 2,200 miles from Arizona. So I'm going to make sure that I don't get those details mixed up next time I do another interview. But, yes, that is what's going on in the XFL world, USFL world. So we're going to go ahead and switch gears. We're going to talk some more about the World Series. I'll give you a little bit more insight and recap the championship series. And should the Philly fans be devastated? I'll also discuss should the fans celebrate the Astros losing to the Rangers. And another topic that came up was does Alex Rodriguez have a point in the Yankees retiring his number 13 jersey? Does Alex Rodriguez deserve this honor? We will talk about that next on the Allen Alfred Sports Talk Show. We're going to take a quick break. I'm going to play you a nice sports-themed song here by Sam Scholar. We're going to be right back here on the Allen Alfred Sports Talk Show. If you want to call in and join the conversation, please do so at 516-418-5572. 516-418-5572. Love to hear from you. We're going to hear the great song by Sam Scholar, the sports-themed song. I will be right back after a brief, a brief break on the Allen Alfred Sports Talk Show.
sports theme song by Sam Scola. If you want to sign Sam Scola to a contract, please reach out to me here at the Allen Outsot Sports Talk Show. We'll make that happen. We'll put you in contact with Sam Scola in Maine. Definitely appreciate and marry right out of Maine. Great musician. So we're going to go ahead and talk a little about about baseball, a little bit more on that. The Diamondbacks are leading now 5-3 to three against the Texas Rangers in the bottom of the six. And we're going to answer some of your questions here. Well, I mean, both of these two teams deserve to be there. I did pick the Diamondbacks to make the World Series. They are in there. I did pick Houston Astros to make it, too, to be their dance partner. They did not make it. I would say, and the question is, should the Phillies be devastated? Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. You know, you lost the game seven. And not only that, you were up 3-2 and you lost two games to close out a series. On top of that, you were hitting so great that series and you wasn't able to close the door. So, yes, I would say you should feel devastated. You know, I mean, I know there's got to be a loser, but you lose two games to close a series. I know if I was on the field, I'd be devastated, especially if I had a hot bat and the first five games and just not enough in the last two. So should fans celebrate the Astros losing to the Rangers? I I don't think you should be bringing up, you know, the, the cheating anymore at this point. They served the penalty. They already have a stained name to it. It's already been vetted out now. Altuve, as much as people dislike him, and when you're successful, people – tend to dislike you. Altuve is a, is a fantastic baseball player. You know, he's a tough out. He embodies, you know, you know, putting the garbage can stuff aside for a moment. He embodies, you know, kind of the underdog story in baseball. You know, back in the nineties, you couldn't, you couldn't even play for team being the hype that Altuve is. And yet this guy has arguably the biggest heart and biggest bat on the Astros. And it's not just one series, not just one season, one playoff. It's been automatic for him. And he is a tough out. He can hit out of ballpark. You get a base hit. I mean, he's just, he's just sensational at this point. Fans, if you're a Rangers fan, you should, you know, be happy. I don't think you should be any extra happy for the Astros losing. You know, it's not the same team and now you know Dusty Baker is walking away so congratulations to Dusty Baker on his well-deserved retirement you know one thing about retirement is you know I've been through that process so I wouldn't want somebody telling me when I should or should not retire and he decided it was time for him and he's got a wedding you know he's got a World Series ring, but I would have to say it, it is kind of a tough pill to swallow to retire and you've never won a game seven and Bruce Bochy's never lost a game seven. So, but yeah, Hall of Fame career, Dusty Baker's experienced so many great things throughout his career. Sensational. I do wish he would have got one more ring, but it wasn't meant to be. So props to the Rangers, props to the Diamondbacks, 
and how I see this series playing out, I see the Diamondbacks winning this series. This is power, which is the Rangers versus small ball. Hit them over, hit them, get you know, get them on second, get them in. You know, it's scrappy team. I see them winning the Diamondbacks and celebrating in that pool. That's what I see. You know, it's great to have big power bats, but I just feel as if at some point you can't just rely on the home run. You have to be able to manufacture runs. This is why the Yankees lost to the Red Sox in that that series. And I knew that the, the, the Yankees were not going to beat the Red Sox in that series, even with them up 3 nothing. And the reason why I knew is because I watched the series before when the Red Sox were playing the Angels. I seen almost every single game, even with them being the Yankees' nemesis. And just timing as it's May, I watch every game. And I tell you, I knew the Red Sox were going to beat the, the Yankees. They just had such a, a, a fantastic team, top to bottom, speed, power at the bottom of the lineup, power at the top of the lineup, awesome pitching. They just had they just had the whole game working. Whereas the Yankees had a lot of power, they didn't have enough finesse. And that's the reason why I think the Diamondbacks are repeat history, and they're going to win this series again. It's going to be nauseating for Jeter to see the Diamondbacks win again. And just as nauseating as it probably is for him to have Poppy right next to him, one of the worst memories that they lost for straight. But yes, I have the Diamondbacks beating the Rangers in this series, and I have them Diamondbacks celebrating their pool. So that's my prediction. And one thing that came out this week is, does Alex Rodriguez have a point that the Yankees should indeed retire his number 13 jersey? Does Alex Rodriguez deserve this honor? I would say unequivocally, nah, brah, nah. No, no, sir, Rebob. Let's get to reality. And I'm going to say this like this. Alex Rodriguez, let me talk about the great Alex Rodriguez is one of the greatest talents to come up in the modern-day baseball era in quite some time. Five-tool player, fantastic baseball instincts, is a guy that had he not do the things that I'm going to get into, why he doesn't deserve to have his number retired, should be in the Hall of Fame. But, and also I'll say too, Alex is a fantastic autograph signer. I said that in one of my videos. Very extremely fan-friendly. Having said that, I will tell you he does not deserve to have his number 13 retired by the Yankees. Let me explain to you the culture first about the Yankees. The Yankees do not even have a name on the back of the jersey. Okay, Jeter and everybody on the team had to be clean-shaven in the face. They run a very you know, business, team-oriented, none of this flash-in-the-pants stuff, none of this stuff that you can see a lot of other teams doing, they don't go for that. The culture is don't say too much to the media, you know, keep it all in-house. Take a look at Derek Jeter, and you can see what you're going to get when you get as far as Yankee. That's the prototypical company man Yankee 
Okay. Having said that, Alex Rodriguez did not fit the bill. You completely embarrassed, embarrassed the entire Yankees organization by running into that scandal with Falco. Not only did you embarrass the league, if you watch any of the documentaries, the whole team, you put them in an uncomfortable position that they had to answer questions about your indiscretions. This was completely un-Yankee lot that you could ever imagine. Completely un-Yankee type and like. Okay? The first couple of years, Alex struggled in the postseason. In 2009, he came up mega big. I'll give him props for that. And he did some fantastic numbers against, you know, playing for the Yankees. But number one, he didn't play for the Yankees. Usually people who get the numbers retired in most cases, the Yankees are lifers or at least played 80 to 90% of their career in the Yankee uniform. Alex did not. And on top of that, Alex was not a great Yankee. Yes, you had a beautiful 2009 series and you came up monster big, didn't do so great the two times before. And this scandal I mean, not only did you get busted once for doing it, you came back and did it again. And then when you did it the second time, you was playing Kahoot and messing up the investigation for Major League Baseball, planning people to have signs and all types of nonsense. You know, I have to agree with what some of the people in the media have said that Alex lives in his own prism. This is where I feel as if Alex's ego and pride gets, he, it's his downfall. You know, I, I hate to say, but in his childhood, he brought this up about his dad not giving him that confidence. And he overcompensates with his ego and pride and he misplaces it in the wrong times and places. Look, you shouldn't even mention your name being retired in the Yankees and it shouldn't bother you because you did them dirty. You got to understand that. And a delusional person would think, Hey, I did such great in the 2009 and I put up such big numbers. I deserve to get my number retired. Well, yeah, you did do that. But what about what all the other stuff you did that they didn't ask you to do? Bringing down the Yankee name, getting in a scandal. They have to answer all the questions. It is just ridiculous. Okay. I'm going to read a quote. This is a fantastic quote by Rory Wilson. Rory Wilson made this quote and he did a fantastic job with this quote. And I'm going to read it verbatim. You don't ask to have your Jersey retired. It's something bestowed upon you. Again, by Rory Wilson, on the internet, you don't ask to have your jersey retired. It's something bestowed upon you. Beautifully said. Very short and simple. Beautifully said. You don't ask anyone to retire your number. It's an honor that someone just goes ahead and bestows on you, and you just be incredibly gracious and gratitude for it. You don't ask. Dow Strawberry is getting his number retired by the Mets. He did not ask to have this number retired. It's an honor bestowed upon you. You should never have to mention that or say it. Hey, I want my number retired. 
It makes you look self-centered, egotistical, and especially the history. Yes, if Alex did not have all this baggage that came along with it, and he was you know, a guy that didn't bring all this negative attention, balled out as a Yankee, you know, in those two years you didn't get it done, and he did fantastic, yeah, the Yan- you would make a great case for it. But no, it's not going to be a – you should just – not even think about it. If you don't deserve this type of this type of honor and praise from the Yankees. Again, an organization that, man, in order for you to get your number retired, you got to be something special. So this leads into Kevin Rant, who's also just as, you know, how do I say, delusional as Alex. Kevin Durant also believes his number 35 should be retired by the Golden State Warriors. Is KD right? No, he is not right. I, I, I had a hard time de- deciding who's more delusional because at least Alex did play more time with the Yankees. And he did put such a great impact in 2009 that it would be hard to say if the Yankees would have won that series without his contribution. And on top of that, he was a star of the show that 2009. He had a coming out party that, that year. And they won because of him. You can't say the same for Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant won, came on a team that had already won and was on multiple championship runs. You joined their team. So now it went from outstanding to another word, pass outstanding, because then they've added arguably the best player in the Basketball Association, NBA, to their roster. So now it went from outstanding to just outstandingly ridiculous that there was not going to be a team that was going to beat you. So you, and in fact, Kevin Durant felt kind of like he took advantage of a situation because he joined this team to get a ring because he couldn't get it with OKC. And then he didn't get the credit for winning it because everybody was like, yeah, well, you joined our team. We was already winning championships. Yes, you were the best player on the team and the most talented, but we probably was going to win those rings without you. We didn't need you like that. And guess what? They're right. They didn't need you to get those wings. May have been tougher. Yes, but it's, it's wanting and needing two different things. Yeah, they'll take you because you're available to bolster their chances, but they didn't really need Kevin Durant to win those championships. Yes, you got the MVP. I get it. But you were the best player arguably on the planet. So no matter what team you went on, you were going to be the star of the show. And that was only for three years. And this, one of the biggest things that Kevin Durant had to overcome was people not giving him credit, saying you just joined the super team, not getting respect. He felt as if he took advantage of the situation. He felt kind of sideways about it. Now you're not playing for Golden State. You're thinking you should have your number retired after three years? Come on now. Again, I'm going to read that quote. This is a fantastic quote by Rory Wilson. You don't ask to have your jersey retired. Is something bestowed upon you. That is so correct. You don't ask to, for them to retire a number, especially the three seasons. You're joining a team that was winning championships. Yes, you got the MVP, but no matter what team you went to, if you went to a team that no one thought was going to win and you helped them, you were going to get the MVP anyway. You were the best player on the planet. In most cases, that's what's going to happen. And yeah, you played very good, but they didn't really need Kevin Durant to win. That's how stacked the Golden State Warriors were. It was ridiculous when they added him. So, no. 
I guess Kevin Durant and Alex Rodriguez are drinking that same retirement jersey drink. They they just you know exchanging each other, top each other's drinks off. But yeah, those that's delusional for both of them. I can't decipher which one is more. So the Orlando Magic and the NBA season kicks off, and LeBron James. They mentioned Audible from the Bucks, from uh, the Bills. Josh Allen, it's amazing that even after all these years, 23 years in the season, my man LeBron is still still trying to make it happen. He deserves a round of applause. Yeah, I got to respect it. You know, I know a lot of people don't like LeBron and they're not fans, but I got to respect someone in the league that long, that much wear and tear. He obviously takes care of his body. And he still is holding on so his son can play with him. I got to give that respect. You know, whether you love LeBron or hate him, you got to respect that. So I think the Orange Mac is going to be actually a very good team this year. And props to my great friend, Terry Spain, who's now covering them. He's doing a fantastic job. I think Orlando Magic is going to be very, very good this year. And with Biyamba, I think he's going to turn around and be a very good player, too. You know, it was kind of funny to see Chris Paul get on his tippy toes and take a picture with him. I mean, you know, I'm shorter than Chris Paul, so I guess I'm I'm in real trouble. But they may have to give me a ladder or something. But either way, you know, I just got a message with Chris Paul. Just take the picture, man. You don't have to tippy toe. The guy's over seven feet tall. You doing that little tippy toe is not going to make it seem like you're close in his height, you know, just a little bit taller. Nah, bro. Wimby Yamba is much taller than you and is very obvious. So you don't need a tippy toe. Just take the picture. Lando Magic is, is going to be very good. I'm going to talk some boxing news. Again, the phone number to call in is 516-418-5572. 516-418-5572. Go ahead and we're going to kick off and talk a little bit of, bit of boxing. I'm going to go ahead and play a Sam Scola song for you guys. So we're going to talk about boxing. We'll do that now. But first, we're going to play the knockout round by Sam Scola. And then I'm going to go ahead and talk boxing news with you guys. Training for the big fight. Get ready for the big night In the gym it all begins You work hard to win Knock out, knock out The knock out round Knock down, knock down The knock out round Star on your Happy 
tonight, the knockout round. That's right. So definitely we're going to discuss that. And there was some history here. You know, it is going to be Amanda Serrano is going to be fighting a three-round fight in women's boxing. And it's going to be definitely something that's going to be real cool. Three-minute rounds now for the females. It's unprecedented history. And, you know, this is one of the things about boxing that's unfortunate is that this should be big news. And it's really not really talked about. But, yes, it's going to be the first time ever females boxing can have a three-minute round. And that is significant because, you know what, from two minutes to three, I think this three-minute round will create some more excitement in women's boxing, even though it has been on the rise already. And because there's now more of a chance to get knocked out. And women have been wanting the three-minute round. So, you know, I interviewed Sinisa's Super bad Estrada, and she said herself she prefers a three-minute round. So, you know, be careful what you wish for, but there it is. Amanda Serrano is fighting three-minute round. And in boxing, you have Tyson Fury against Francis Nagano, and that should be all the way in Saudi Arabia. should be a very, very interesting. And Mike Tyson is training Nagano, so... That brings a little bit more flair to it. However, I think it's a, as much as I really respect Mike Tyson and, and think he's in his prime was one of the greatest, I don't think it's enough. I just think Tyson Fury is a very, very masterful technician in the ring. He is a very good technical boxer with power and not overusing his power, but just knows how to use his size and strength to his advantage, and he's very technically sound. I don't see this fight ending any other way. I have Tyson Fury winning this fight, and I definitely do think Mike Tyson's influence will help Francis Nagano, but I don't think it's going to be enough. I just think when you're a technical boxer as great as Tyson Fury, you're not going to get those pick up those skills that quickly, that easily. So with that being said, I have Tyson Fury winning that fight. And props to my good friend, Antonio Tarver. He also did pick Tyson Fury winning too. I do as well. I don't see it ending any other way other than Tyson Fury win. And the question is, did Floyd Mayweather and Mike Tyson be training the other top performers in their division, respective divisions? I would say with Mike Tyson, he can get away with it because Mike Tyson's not really in a conversation about, you know, Nagano or Tyson Fury taking over Mike Tyson's spot. And Floyd, however, I think here's another way for Floyd to get in the spotlight and make it about him but then backpedal and say oh why are you guys talking about me why are you always talking about me here's another slick way for him to be that play that reverse psychology reverse attention role where why you guys keep bringing up my name and why are you trying to make it about me well we're making about you because you're training Errol Spence the guy prior to fighting Terrence Crawford was a number one welterweight. 
and you're training him to beat the other and who is the pound for pound number one welterweight, number one boxer, period, in the world. And people think that Terrence Bud Crawford could beat you, and Terrence actually thinks he could beat you. And you're training the second guy to beat the first guy, and you wondering why they keep bringing your name up? Well, a person who doesn't want the limelight, doesn't want the attention, and doesn't want their name mixing this would politely decline to train Errol Spence Jr., but Crawford, they would decline it. They'd say, hey, I'm not getting in the middle of that. No. I mean, let's look at it. Floyd, you Floyd Money Mayweather, you don't really need the money. I mean, training is not going to give you millions of dollars. So not saying that I'm saying it respectfully, like a guy like Mike Tyson and Floyd could command a big payday, but I just don't think Errol's going to pay him a million dollars to train him. I just don't see that. And he shouldn't have to pay him that type of money to train him anyway. But, yeah, it's another way for Floyd to make it about him. I hate to say it, but that's what he does. He plays a reverse psychology all the time with the media. Hey, why do you keep bringing me up? Well, you're standing right behind the stage. That's why I'm bringing you up. Why do you keep bringing me up? Well, you're training Errol Spence Jr., who lost Terrence Bird Crawford, who people feel as if Terrence could beat you. But yet you're training Errol Spence Jr. Why you keep bringing me up, man? What? Come on, man. You keep jumping in the ring last second before the fight's about to start. All this stuff. Why you keep bringing me up? Come on, man. Come on. Stop. Yes, Mike Mike Tyson is cool. Floyd is not as cool for him training Errol Spence. Having said that, I still think Errol Spence is going to lose in a rematch to Terrence Brett Crawford. I do think it will help the training. It never will hurt getting advice from a legend or somebody who's up there in the boxing arena. You know, you could put Floyd in there. You could put Mike Tyson in there. It's never going to hurt. I just think it's going to delay the inevitable. You cannot teach those type of skills that that Terrence Burke Crawford have in a few months. Those things he's been doing for years, it's just not going to happen. Yes, you might give him some great pointers to help him in this fight, and I do think Errol will be more, somewhat more competitive, but ultimately he's not going to beat Terrence Burke Crawford when or if they do the fight again in a rematch. Having said that, I think Terrence Burke Crawford should seriously consider taking the Tim Zhu fight at 154, capturing that belt at 154, and then after then, hopefully... You'll cage a lion, not even a lion, you'll cage a cub or a little kitten named Starlo and you fight him and become undisputed. So I think it's going to be more of a two-fight deal. I would take the Tim Zoo at 154, get the one strap at 154, another different weight class, then fight the kitten when you get him in a cage and beat him too. And that kitten would be Jamel Charlo, who ducks fights. So... Yes, that's what I think Terrence Bird Crawford should do. And, man, I'm going to give you guys the updated scores. It is 5-3. Arizona Diamondbacks in the first game of the World Series. Top of the eighth. Arizona Diamondbacks spinning 5-3. I'm going to see, too, if I can get the results. And 
if I get, okay. Let me just take a look here. Give me one moment to get. All right. So what I'm getting here is that Amanda Serrano. Let me just see here. Amanda Serrano, the winner and still the undisputed featherweight champion, wins by unanimous decision in the in the first ever three-minute per round women's fight. So congratulations to Amanda Serrano making history. And it's only fitting that Amanda gets to get that fight, that historic fight, because, you know, she's a fantastic ambassador for boxing. So real props to her to setting it. And, I, you know, women want more quality, and this is how you do it. You, you go ahead and do what the men are doing. And it's three-minute rounds. It should be exciting to see. I'm happy about it. I have no objection to it. So that's really, really cool. And I have Tyson Fury winning as well. So I'll keep you guys updated on that fight. A lot of great things happen in sports arena. I definitely wanted to thank the XFL Insider Podcast for having me as a special guest on Tuesday. And we have some other great things coming up on the Allen Alfred Sports Show. I don't want to spoil surprises, but I'll let you guys know to keep tuning in, keep listening, because I got a lot of great things coming up. I really appreciate all all of the supporters of the Allen Alfred Sports Talk Show, all of the athletes, all of the people listening, comment, like, share, subscribe, other media outlets, the XFL and beyond, for being so welcome for the Allen Alfred Sports Talk Show. You all deserve Sam Scola, Jeff G's, you all deserve a round of applause. And you listening right now deserve a round of applause as well. That's right. Sincerely appreciate you all. So let me give you a phone number in the future. It's 516-418-5572. 516-418-5572. So want to thank our great sponsor, Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. So delicious and addicting, you may need a support group. Make sure you pick up a four-pack at flbbqsauce.com, flbbqsauce.com, or you can reach and see Chef G's at 301 South 22nd Street here in Tampa, Florida. I have the distinct honor of eating breakfast tomorrow with Chef G's. I'm definitely looking forward to that. It'll be a great time. So looking forward to seeing Chef G's. And here we go. We're going to play the Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce song by Sam Scola. Really appreciate Sam Scola and Mary of Maine. Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce song. Counting for variety, Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. Natural flavor, Chef G's Florida barbecue sauce, Florida gold honey mustard on burgers and ribs, tasty fusion on pork. 
Show.